1: Welcome in, happy Thursday, as we are chugging along to Nebraska, Oklahoma. Starts Saturday, obviously, 11 a.m. It's going to be a big Oklahoma day today on the happy hour. We will kind of hear some things from Brent Venables here in the first segment. And then, a little before 1.30, Chris Plank of Sooners Radio Network, as well as 94.7 The Ref. He does work for Sirius XM Radio. He does work for Fox Sports Radio. He does stuff for ESPN+. Plus. Um, he will join us. He does a lot of stuff. He does a lot of stuff. Uh, and full disclosure, we just got done recording the interview about 15 minutes ago. Not even. Five Not minutes even. ago. Yeah. Because shout out yeah. Because he was supposed to join us live at one thirty, And then Rico, he shoots me a text yesterday and says, Nick, got a change of plans. serious XM threw a Chris Klein interview on me today at one thirty.
2: Well... Can't say no to I that. I said, well,
1: you can't say no to Chris Kleiman, but I said, ask him about the Nebraska job. <laughs> I did not. I did not say Why that. Why not? I? I did not. Because he's already been asked about it. And? Ask him again. No, no. That's, that, ask that, him every time. That is the stuff that makes these next two and a half months going to be extre- extremely
2: excruciating. Oh, it's going to be annoying. It's going to be annoying, and it's going to be dumb, but keep doing it.
1: Because- Ask what everyone. Else, what else is he going to say? There's no reason to. So, yeah, so Chris Plank... What's he going to do, uh, say no again? Yeah, of course. Yeah, No, no, this time he's going to say know yes. Actually,
2: I've been considering Actually,
1: it. since you said something about it, Trev Alberts did reach out to me. <laughs> um, but once again, so Chris Plank, Sooners Radio Network and, and all the other stuff, before he makes his way to Lincoln this weekend, he'll join us at 1.30. Um, you'll hear that. Since it is recorded, I'll be able to tell you guys, there's a lot of interesting little nuggets in there. I was... I, I kind of threw in a question and I won't give it all away because obviously Chris does it much better or explained it much better than I did. <laughs> but I asked him how much former players are involved with the new staff.
2: And his answer.
1: And his answer was no, something, answer. something along the lines of after Bob Stoops, it was non-existent. Practices were like Fort Knox. However, under the new staff and Brent Venables, there are former players everywhere. And so that was something that kind of stood out to me because there's a lot of parallels, I think, right? I think there's a lot of parallels between two tradition-rich programs in Nebraska and Oklahoma. Nice. Right? Yeah. And they believe in the same things. He he mentioned, he told me off the air, that the expectations this season are higher than they were last season. Really? And they thought that they were a national championship contender last season.
2: How do you get higher than? How that? do you get higher? National champ, just national champ. Because that, that's the not, thing. A just not a national contender, not a contender.
1: They were going to play for the college football playoff in the championship. It, it's truly remarkable how, in the first season under Brent Venables, they feel confident enough that he's going to take them to the promised land.
2: Those are some high expectations for a first. Year and I'd and coach. here's the
1: thing: you want to know what they what he called Brent Venables? A prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I stood back and I go, Oh boy.
2: Careful with those words. Careful.
1: <laughs> However, through the first two games, Oklahoma here, I'll read I'll read some statistics if I still have it open, hopefully. Um, some statistics. Oklahoma's defense is now, granted, UTEP they're they're playing they've played UTEP and Kent State. Yep. Right? But there's something Don't I put I down this, the
2: minors and the golden flashes, though. I, I said this early
1: in the week, Rico. I'm jealous of the teams that win the games they, they're supposed to win in the fashion that they're supposed to win them. I'm jealous yeah, because it I seems s- so simple, but it's been so difficult.
2: Yeah, I said it earlier. I said it, it's kind of weird talking about how confident I am in a team that just lost to Georgia Southern, mm-hmm. but Oklahoma's only played UTEP and Kent State. And I'm like, yeah, but Nebraska probably would have lost to one of those. Exactly, exactly. So here, here's
1: the statistic that I was reading through the Oklahoma program today and found out. Through two games... Oklahoma's defense has allowed an average of eight points per game. They average 11 and tackles for loss per game, four and a half sacks per game, mm-hmm. and they are allowing less than three and a half yards per play. And what's crazy. So you bring in, you bring in this, this defensive minded head coach and Venables, right? And One his of time, the best his time at Clemson college football. Yeah, exactly. You bring in his time at Clemson and, they, their defensive coordinator now is his name is Ted Roof. He was a defensive analyst at Clemson under Brent Venables, uh-huh. and now Oklahoma through two games and what they want to do this season is have a such a balanced team that in ta- at times you're relying on your defense to win you games rather than your offense outscoring your opponents. But not always. But not always. Cuz they, the, they have they have the have
2: ability games. they have the ability to score 50 plus if they need to. Yeah, you have a balanced enough team where you'll have games where the defense is winning you games or uh, games where the offense is winning you games and and games where both both uh, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Both sides of the ball, well, mm-hmm. I don't know the word I'm looking for, but both sides are playing so well that you just kind of run away with the game. So that that's mm-hmm. what Oklahoma's looking for. However, they are Despite the numbers and, and how good they seem, they are 109th, I believe, is what Bach told me, in pass uh, pass yards given up on yes. the defensive side of things.
1: Yeah, so somebody, a name texture just said this, you just rattled off what Oklahoma's defense's average is, excuse me, what Oklahoma defensive average is per game. I'd be surprised if our defense reaches any of those numbers for the entire season combined. Now, once again, we prefaced it with they've played UTEP and Kent, Kent State, State, and they, they were up 7-3. They were almost held scoreless in the first half against Kent State. Mm-hmm. They were down 3-0 to zero at one point. Then they rattled off 33 straight. Um, UTEP, it was a little bit more of a deciding game. They won 45-13 to 13 in Week 1. But it's one of those things where you can kind of tell, and, and I asked Chris Plank this, if, if Brent Venables was an SEC move, and he, he was saying yes. It shapes up really well for the SEC. Because you have a guy in Jeff Lebby as the offensive coordinator who used to be at Ole Miss. As the offense coordinator last season under Lane Kiffin,
2: who was at UCF before,
1: yes, understands understands what kind of offense is needed to be successful in the SEC, mm-hmm. and then you add in the defensive mind of Brent Venables and the the new defense coordinator Ted Roof, who both were at Clemson through that reign.
2: Played it. Played in the SEC, however, played a lot of SEC mm-hmm. teams, so they know exactly. I mean, they played Alabama how many times in the National Championship, Exactly. But they, they know what, it's, what it is. They takes. get it. They get it.
1: So I, I find it fascinating. So once again, we'll be joined by Chris here in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Uh, it's a pretty in-depth and, and sometimes bigger picture interview on a couple of the questions. We do dive into the game a little bit deeper, uh, so that'll be coming up here in the next couple minutes. I do want to get to some of the things that Brent Venables said in his press conference, though, mm-hmm. because... There were a lot of parallels from what we heard with Mickey Joseph and what we heard from Brent Venables this week. And there's one, Rico, um, I'm guessing you found it. I got all three. Um, There's one that is, I can't remember the name, on... um, Jaden Davis? Thank you. On Jaden Davis. So I cut this clip a little bit in half because we didn't need to hear about how Jaden Davis has been playing for the Sooners. But they talked about him buying into... This program into the Oklahoma program and I want to I want to bring this up from Mickey Joseph really quickly What we heard earlier this week is we know Mickey Joseph is a huge relationships guy And in the back of your guys's mind when you hear this keep in mind a couple things first Mickey Joseph and his potential to be the next head coach in Nebraska and his opportunity that's out in front of him mm-hmm. and if you saw the Husker hype video yesterday on Twitter you had seen Mickey Joseph greeting all the guys at the door, saying, "Let's get it. Let's do this. Let's here we go. Here we go. Get get ready," and and have and see, showing that he has relationships with a lot of those guys. And then I wanted to I want you guys to kind of listen to what Brent Venables is saying, and notice if there's any parallels between what you hear from Venables and what you heard from Mickey Joseph on how guys can can make strides in both their play on the field, but also in their journey off the field. Here's Brent Venables.
3: You know, and he's, he's been very intentional, but there's a whole team of us that have, have tried to work with them and create a level of, of uh, confidence through work and through uh, teaching and learning, you know, a new system and how we can help them. And I think it's important as coaches that you're always trying to play, a, play to a player's strength and don't ask them to do with things that they're not great at doing, but they have to get better. You know, you always want to attack the weakness, improve the weakness. Hopefully you can get it to become a strength, and uh, but it doesn't just happen as we know uh, overnight, and so there's there's a lot that goes into that, both mentally and physically and, and uh, fundamentally. Uh, so um, that's what I've seen, and Jaden's been a byproduct of that of just, you know, one of the most powerful things that you can say to somebody is I believe in you, and but your actions got to back that up as well. That doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable and you don't correct them uh, when they make mistakes, but. Uh, You got to, you know, through a genuine, authentic relationship, you got to develop that trust.
2: That clip, towards the end of that clip, that reminds me of the first time we heard from Mickey Mm -hmm. Joseph when he was talking about... The wide receivers that he's coached the wide receivers that he's going to coach and how when they discover a strength or when they find a strength with that wide receiver they're not going to try and change it they're not going to try and make somebody who's a, who's a deep ball thread into a uh, into a a first down machine they're mm-hmm. they're not going to take somebody who who has sure hands and try to turn them into something else they're going to work on that strength to make it better but then what they're going to do the most of is try to improve the other skills around that person but not overcoach them to turn them into something they're not. And that's what Brent Venables was just saying there. You know, you, you try to coach these guys. You don't want to overcoach them. You, mm-hmm. you make them better in what they're lacking, and you help them build upon that strength.
1: One thing that Brent Venables also said is the most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things you can tell somebody is that you believe in them. Mickey Joseph, earlier this week, on how he will give his team hope, said, quote, confidence and let them know I believe in them. Parallels. Hm. Head coach it. Like there there is a method here and through two games, Brent Venable's method has worked. We're yet to see if it's going to work for Mickey Joseph, but at least the foundation is there. We know that the we know that the the knowledge and the understanding that it, it has to come from relationships. And we mentioned it when, when we were doing our breaking news coverage on Sunday. Jay Foreman mentioned it a ton how being a head coach is less about the the X's and O's, and it's more about dealing with the relationships, the the
2: egos, the it, all those little facets of of the program. Less about the X's and O's, more is about more about the Jimmys and Joes. Yes, you got to build the relationship. You got to talk to people. You got to know who you're coaching. They're not just a number. They're not just a they're not just a jersey and a helmet. They're people behind that. So you have to know what's going on. And DP said it multiple times. You have to know. You know if that person h- broke up with their significant other if that person is having mm-hmm. family issues if that person's car broke down you know on the way to practice if they if they you know if their pet died or something like that you have to know the people behind the face mask cuz as soon as you do that you'll be able to reach them at a deeper level and they'll be more more than willing to climb up a tree if you ask them to to yeah. run through a wall to to you know to to hit that guy you know harder than anybody else is like they they're more than willing to do the things you ask them when you know them on a more personal level mm-hmm. as opposed to hey number 12 go do this
1: well and we know we know Mickey Joseph has that that foundation right because he speaks on it quite a bit and the players the athletes the guys that are in the room speak on it uh, uh, quite a bit about how um, Mickey Joseph is, is their guy, right? You hear it from recruits all the time. There's something to be said. There's something to be said for all these recruits that Nebraska has in their recruiting class for 2023. There is something to be said for all of them reaffirming their commitments,
2: despite the head coach not be in there. If anybody has been on Twitter lately, you've noticed that. They get they get the They're all reaffirmed. They've got that that picture that's been made for them and probably sent to them asking, you know, when the coach talked to him like, "Hey, how are we feeling you sticking with us?" And so far, at least from what I've seen, every single mm-hmm. last one of the Nebraska commits no, it's, has said, "I'm I'm in. I'm still here 100%. This is home."
1: And what does that that tells me more about Mickey Joseph and the staff that's there right now? More than, than what it tells me about Scott Frost. And we want to put that on the back burner, obviously. But I think that there's something to be said. Once again, I'll, I'll reiterate it. There's something to be said that nowadays in the era of college football and the, how fluid and fluctuating it always is, when, I mean, recruiting is a, is a fluctuating game to begin with. And and not just to say that just because they're reaffirming right now on September 15th does not mean that when it comes to signing day in December, that it's going to be the same situation, right? Because Nebraska does have nine games left, and a lot of it does matter when if you win or not. However, right now for this specific instance and this specific time in the in the calendar year mm-hmm. and in the schedule and part of the season, it means something to see every guy reaffirm their commitment although the head coach got fired. And that's why I think there should be a good buzz and a good energy surrounding this program on Saturday. Because it shows that something. sometimes, once again, we talk about it in terms of players all the time. When somebody loses a guy to a transfer portal, we talk about it at ad nauseum. Addition by subtraction. That can be the same for a coach. And I'm not I'm not coming out on the air and saying that oh Nebraska all the the only the the bad bug in in the entire room was Scott Frost because I don't I don't think it's that case. I think it's much bigger than Scott Frost and Trev Alberts has also said that this program is much bigger than one person. Mickey Joseph said that as well. But I think that you can you can argue that it means quite a bit nowadays when you see guys reaffirm their commitment because it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. That guys commit to a university rather than a coach.
2: People were people were worried about the the buyout being set there and and you know setting up Scott Frost and how how is somebody going to commit to a university if they know the head coach isn't going to be there, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this just shows you that and you know if you want to go with the uh, you commit to a school not a coach type deal, sure whatever you can go with that as well. But to me this is this is more along the lines of the relationships that were built not only from the former head coach Scott Frost with these recruits but from the mm-hmm. position coaches from from you know everybody within that football team building relationships with these recruits and despite the loss of the head coach the recruit still feels as if nebraska is home whether that be you know the university and the campus just felt like home the fans made it feel like a great place to go or it's the assistant coaches and and the now head coach the interim head coach and mickey joseph that made it feel like home it's something to be said for the relationships built not only through the head man of a program but through everybody else within that program and that that shows that they they've hopefully, got a good thing going They've despite losing your head coach. They've
1: put in the work. They've built a foundation. 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the starter Hammond text line. Both those will be open for you guys the rest of the way here. Uh, Chris Plank of Sooner's Radio Network will join us here momentarily. Tyler says this. Most players compit, commit to position coaches, not the head coach necessarily. And I understand that. However, when a head coach gets relieved of their duties or dismissed or they move on to another job, a lot of times you see decommits or, or guys just kind of backing off their commitment, keeping Nebraska as, a, as an option, but backing off their commitment because it usually creates a, tr- a, a ripple-down effect, a trickle-down effect, mm-hmm. to where if the head coach isn't there, position coaches aren't going to be there. So that tells me that... There's a chance that Mickey Joseph is able to be the head coach. There is a clear opportunity laid out in front of Mickey Joseph, mm-hmm. which
2: I think we can all be excited and, and kind of rally I around. I think the recruits feel that as well if they're reaffirming their commitments to Mickey Joseph and this staff. I mean, you, 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 like you just mm-hmm. said, there's a ripple down effect where if the head coach leaves, sometimes that means more than often, more than often, that means that the assistant coaches, the position coaches, are no longer going to be there because when you bring in a new head coach, they want to bring in their own guys. So. The fact that the recruits are reaffirming their commitments means that they believe there is a large chance that Mickey Joseph will be retained as the head coach, mm-hmm. and that's just something that you can look at. I, I mean, that, I mean, that's just the recruits. That's just how they feel. I mean, you're not really sure. It still has to go through the rest of the season, but mm-hmm. if the recruits feel that way. You never know.
1: I think it's a, a perfect example. Matthew Hickman points out a lot, like a lot like Oklahoma and USC. I, I think that's a really good example because if you look at Lincoln Riley, he dips out, he goes to USC, and this is this is basically my point. Goes to USC, takes a couple of his assistants with him. A couple of them stayed back as well. But that showed that guys are committing to coaches rather than universities. Mm -hmm. And there is power in Trev Alberts and Mickey Joseph being able to reach out to recruits, specifically Trev Alberts. There's power in that, yeah. and 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 Trev Alberts understands. He he admitted on Sunday that he enjoys reaching out to and talking to them from their perspective about Nebraska and about the possibility of playing in Memorial Stadiums on Saturdays. So I think there is something uh, that that is valuable, and there's encouragement to see guys reaffirming their commitment. Uh, one other quote that I want to get to from Brent Venables before we get to break and get to Chris, uh, Chris Plank of Sooners Radio Network is Brent was asked, Coach Venables was asked, D- do you have an explanation on why Nebraska struggled? And I thought this answer was very interesting, um, especially later on in the response. Here's, here's Coach Venables.
3: I, I don't. Um, it doesn't take much to be on the wrong side of it. That's all I would say. Um, obviously, since they went to the Big Ten, I've followed them uh, l- a lot less. And my, my memories really go to the competitions that we've had there. I think we lost 10-3 uh, last time we were there. Uh, I think we had five turnovers on, on offense. And uh, uh, 2009 is when that was, and we played them in 2010 in the, in the uh, Big 12 championship. So my memories go back from the Kansas State and Oklahoma days and then the last X number of years. I just haven't uh, you know, really been as in tune. I do know they have played really competitive. Watching their season from a year ago, uh, just um, just snake bit for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or just timing standpoint, just being on the wrong side of it. And uh, there's there's no one thing or person I would expect to uh, to point a finger to. Uh, just, uh, but they've 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 done a good job of again um, foundationally. They they haven't been far away, you know. In most of their games, they've been right there. So is it Brent weird
2: Venables. is it weird if I say that Brent Venables should do like audiobooks?
1: Sounds like Matthew McConaughey. He's got a good voice. He's got he's got a Matthew McConaughey the rasp. Mask. The rasp, is perfect. The rasp and the the time and the pitch. The little accent in there. Yeah, he's just he just like he he's slow, he's methodical he with his do answers. I, I would fall audiobooks, asleep yeah. probably,
2: but So then probably shouldn't do audiobooks. Maybe, I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. like like bedtime books. Maybe that's
1: yeah, that's the that's the issue. Um, it, there's also one in there, Rico. Before we get to break about environment. Um, there's a lot of discussion talking about the environment for Nebraska, or excuse me, for Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel is going to be playing in his biggest environment yet on the road. Brent Venables' first time as a head coach
2: on the road, on the
1: road in in a hostile environment, and staying an hour away, staying an hour away in Oklahoma, or excuse me, in Omaha, and then also. Brent Venables in his press conference said that forty percent of their guys have yet to suit up in a true road game. Who yeah. Okay. So there that's a little bit of a twist as well. Here's Brent Venables on, on kind of the, the environment that they're gonna face.
3: Yeah, I think I think people will be on edge and uh, you know I think you'll be a lot of emotion in the stadium. And um, I know this when I've had my back against the wall in, in this profession I feel like I've always responded and I've shown I've the pressure has has brought out the best in me and so uh, that to me is what you'll see you know from a Nebraska team I think they've had 13 one score games uh, you know in the last year and uh, they've got they've done a nice job recruiting good players they've got good schemes and you know they've uh, first couple of games this year, they've, they've had some tough moments right at the end of the game. You know, it happens. So uh, this is a team that's incredibly capable, uh, talented, uh, tough, uh, you know, again, good schemes, put them in good position. They got quality players on, on both sides of the ball uh, that, you know, can play uh, with anybody. So uh, we expect their best, uh, expect a, a great atmosphere. Uh, One that, you know, where they've circled the wagons and galvanized and, uh, you know, play-inspired, all of those things. Uh, That's what we expect.
1: There you go. That's what they expect. Nebraska's best. All right. Let's go ahead and take a timeout. When we come back, Chris Plank of the Sooners Radio Network, as well as 94.7 The Ref, down in Norman and Oklahoma City as well as Sirius XM Radio, Big 12 Radio, ESPN Plus, all that stuff. Uh, he'll be joining us to talk Sooners Nebraska. Coming up next, you're listening to the Happy Hour on The Ticket.
0: Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.